Welcome to the True Adventure Podcast, episode 38. The True Adventure Podcast is the podcast where you already know that Mother Nature is crucial in becoming the best version of yourself. So we're going to take that to the next level. Here, we learn how to use Mother Nature's lessons to grow, excel, and become our truest self. So let us do just that. Welcome to the True Adventure Podcast. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. I am so excited that you're here. I am so excited for today's episode. I just recorded it yesterday, February 16th. So today on the 17th, I am so excited for you to hear it because it was just too good not to share right away. So the person that I have coming on the podcast today, she is um, a Pacific Northwest local and We had not actually met until I reached out for her to do this podcast, but we have a bunch of um, friends in common, like mutual friends, and our mutual friend, she just kept all the time being like, oh my gosh, like both of you guys are so similar and you guys do the same things, like why aren't you guys friends? And then I was like, okay, okay, friends, like I'm going to reach out to her. And then sure enough... um, Emily, who is the guest, she said yes to the podcast. She said yes to meeting up for coffee. And it was just like such a good conversation right off the bat. Like she does such an incredible job of explaining her experiences and normalizing some um, moments that I think all adventurers get themselves into sometimes. Sometimes some and how to get yourself out and how she managed to get herself out and what she's learned to get herself out and what she took forward. So I think we can really learn so much from her experiences out in the outdoorsy world. And I just loved having this conversation with Emily. It was truly so fun. And I learned a lot. And I just hope that you as well will learn so much from Emily's experience. So before we dive into today's episode with Emily... I wanted to remind you that all 2023 adventure and yoga retreats have officially been launched, my friends. So you got to head over to the website because also I completely (laughs) revamped my retreat page and there's so much more information about what you're getting, what the results are. It's more than just like the checklist of like, am I getting breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Like, yes, I cover that. Yes, I tell you what you're getting, but I tell you so much more about how your life is going to change. You can read testimonials about how all these previous retreaters have experienced the retreat and some of them who have already come on their second retreat and they're already talking about coming on their third retreat. I have another 2023 retreater that is she Uh, joined us for Joshua Tree. And now she's also coming with us to Zion in May. She's doing two retreats in less than five months. So she just had such an incredible time that she was just ready to go all in for Zion. And so I can't wait to have her back as well. So you need to join her. You need to join these summer retreats. We have Zion National Park coming up in May. We have Leavenworth, Washington that is coming in uh, July and Leavenworth, there are no more individual rooms left. So we only have shared rooms left. So you definitely want to get on that before it all completely sells out. So no individual rooms, only shared rooms on Leavenworth and then Big Sky, Montana. Friends, we are going whitewater rafting. I mean, honestly, 
I've never been whitewater rafting and it's been on my bucket list for so long. I cannot wait to experience something like this with you for the first time. And if whitewater rafting scares you, first of all, no worries. That's what I'm here for. That's what the guides are there for. So we're using a, um, a guiding company that will take us down the river and ensure that we know the proper techniques and the education to help keep us safe and inside the boat. <laughs> we want to stay inside the boat. That is the goal. But if that scares you, if anything about these retreats, the money, the time, the commitment, the whatever it is, jump on a consult call with me. On these consult calls, you and I will set up a Zoom call and we will just talk through anything that you have on your mind. And by the end of the call, we will get you empowered and get actual actionable steps to get you adventuring today. So you're not having to wait until the retreat. You're not having to wait until your next adventure, your next vacation. You are starting to do the things today. And that's what I want you to do is I want every single day to be an adventure of some way. You have the ability to create anything you want in your life. And it starts by investing in yourself in some way, shape, or form. Time, money, energy, whatever it is, you deserve that. So start doing that today. Adventure today. Step into courage. Step into confidence. And go out and courageously adventure. That is what you need to do, my friends. You need to decide. Okay? So head over to my website. It's just karinasyoga.com slash retreats. And go check out that new retreat page. I spent hours and many bottles of wine (laughs) trying to figure out website stuff. So go check out my retreat page. Go look at all this new information about what's included, what you get, the results, like testimonials from people and experiences, pictures. You can look through old pictures of past retreats and just get the vibe of what exactly you're getting yourself into. Because let me tell you, my friend, these retreats are once in a lifetime experiences that truly have never been done before. They are once one experience that no other retreat can give you because on these retreats you get not only experiencing nature and we get out and we do cool things we're not sitting on a beach and waiting for life to happen to us we are going out and taking action taking life by the horns and making things happen we are learning mental skills that help us prepare for those obstacles and those scary things in life and then We're getting our butt physically kicked by the physical fitness, right? We're going out and we're hiking and adventuring and doing hard things. We're going surfing. We're going whitewater rafting. We're going river floating. We're doing all these things that are just so fun and incredible, but also physically hard, right? So when we do physically hard things, we clear our mind and create space for priorities, good priorities, things that we actually want to spend our time doing. So head over to my website, karinasyoga.com slash retreats. Go read all the information and set up a consult call, okay? It is time. It is February. Time to make those summer plans, okay? The happiest time of a vacation is actually the anticipation. So start the anticipation. Get your calendar full. Write down adventure and yoga retreat. I know you want to. That's why you're listening to this. All right, my friends. Let us dive into today's episode with my friend Emily. I'm so excited for you to hear her story and all that she's learned and share her experience and expertise of being out in nature in the outdoorsy world. All right, without further ado, let's get started. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. 
Welcome back to another episode. My name is Karina Baldwin. I'm your host, and I'm so excited to be sharing this guest with you. I've been following her for a hot second through Instagram, and very luckily, she's just around the corner in our hometown. And this is Emily Hubble. She is an outdoor enthusiast, amateur photographer, and a lover of ice cream. Though she works a normal, typical nine to five during the week, most weekends, and even sometimes after work, she spends it outside, either hiking, skiing, or climbing. And she loves spending time in nature with her friends, her husband, or her dog, and maybe all three sometimes, and hopes to inspire you and others to get out there and adventure. So Emily, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. Tell me a little bit more about yourself, you know, introduce yourself to the audience. Hey, thank you so much for having me on here. I'm excited. Um, I'm Emily. I, yeah, I've been kind of doing outdoor stuff for like 10 years now, like consistently. Um, I grew up with a family that we like would go like skiing once a year, camping once a year. I think we did a couple hikes maybe when I was younger, but um, kind of as I grew up, I stopped doing that with my family as much. And, um, I kind of got into like partying a lot and did that whole scene for a little bit. And eventually I got sober and I actually ended up first hiking with some people I worked with. And, um, pretty much after that, like took off. And ever since then, I have been trying to spend as much time as possible outside. I love that. I love that you, you grew up doing it, but it kind of like faded off a little bit, had like, you know, certain different period of your life where, you know, time was spent otherwise, but then you found your way on back. What do you think kind of really sparked the re-interest? Because I know that happens for a lot of people where they grow up doing things and then high school, college, we kind of go through phases of like, oh, it, it, we don't need to do the things that we did growing up or like we're a little too cool for that or like, yeah. you know, there's other ways to find entertainment. Um, and like what kind of got you re-interested in the outdoors? Um, yeah, I was like always, I never, yes, I was like uninterested, but yeah, just mm-hmm. other things took priority. And um, once I went out and like hiked, start hiking again, I just realized how much I loved it because of how much like peace and quiet I get from the outdoors and like disconnecting from like the world and everything and being able to just like focus on what's in front of me and like, you know, Mm -hmm. one foot after another or whatever. And same goes with like now when I like rock climb or hike or ski, it's like, I can't, you don't have time to focus on anything else because you're just doing what's in front of you. And then that while being out in nature is just a feeling that I love. Yeah, no, I love that. I know so many people find that so peaceful to just like focus on what's directly in front of them. And that's something that we don't do in our everyday life because we're constantly thinking about like the next task, the next thing, the what I have to do when I get home. But when you're out in nature, one, likely you don't have cell service and or you're not paying attention even if you do have cell service, you know, you're not paying attention to like that distraction. So like, what do you think it is that's so peaceful and calming about being able to focus so much on what you're doing? I feel like it's almost like meditating in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah, I don't know what exactly it is, but it's just like, yeah, like a form of meditation because you're not thinking about, oh, what I have to do tomorrow or, oh, I didn't do the laundry or whatever. Like, you're just like, oh, I'm just outside truly enjoying myself. Maybe not if I'm <laughs> working hard uphill, <laughs> but even then, if I'm working hard, I'm not like thinking about, oh, the laundry has to get done or this needs mm-hmm. to get done or whatever it may be. Uh, I've just literally worked focused on the now being present, you know, I think, yeah, being present maybe. Yeah, no. Yeah, for sure. The, the, like being present in the moment, not having to think about, because also when you're out there, you can't do any of those things. Like, yeah, you can think about all the things that you have to do still, but in that moment, there's nothing that you can do about the laundry, about your work task, because like you're on the side of a mountain, you're, yeah. you know, whatever <laughs> that looks like. Um, yeah, yeah I, I truly, I completely agree with you. I think it's truly so meditative. And I think a lot of people look at meditation needing to be, you know, like how it was traditionally taught, like sitting down, quieting the mind, having like no thoughts when in reality, yeah. like meditation is about being present. And when you find, especially a physical thing that you can be meditative doing, being fully present, like you are so, especially with like mountaineering and rock climbing and like sometimes even some like pretty more difficult hikes, you have to be attentive to what's in front of you because there can be danger. Like with rock climbing, you're literally trying to make sure that you can find the right handholds and footholds and paying attention to all the things and you can keep going. And like, you know, depending on the hike, like there's certain, if there's not necessarily a very set path, if you're in like a boulder field, you have to pay attention to like, am I still going the direction that I want to be going? I'm not just like (laughs) willy nilly flying somewhere. And then you get to a spot where you're like, oh, I'm like, quarter mile off trail, you know? Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so fun. So how did you get into all these, I guess, quote unquote, extreme sports, you know, <laughs> like how did you yeah. start this journey from going on a hike with coworkers to now you're summiting all the volcanoes in Washington and doing hikes every weekend, every weekday, sometimes, you know, like, (laughs) how are you doing all of these things? How did you get into it? Uh, Well, after that first hike, I slowly just started hiking with my husband and actually sometimes his mom, because she likes to go hiking. Mm -hmm. And we would just do like little hikes here and there. And then I think somewhere on social media, maybe like Facebook or Instagram, maybe, uh, there was like this 52 hike challenge. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm going to try and do that. And so I like did that and I like crushed it the first year. Love and it. I, so I did it again the next year. And then I was like, after that year, I was like doing it so much. I just stopped keeping track because mm-hmm. it wasn't really a challenge anymore. And <laughs> kind of, <laughs> and it like kind of just progressed. Cause like at that time too, like I was like, oh, I'm never climbing Rainier I would never do that that's so crazy and now I want to climb Rainier and I've attempted but failed but that's for later <laughs> but um <laughs> but yeah and then so after hiking consistently for a few years um one of my friends was dating this guy who rock climbed a lot and so she invited mm-hmm. me to go rock climbing and at a gym and like I went there and literally fell in love with it and started doing that all the time going to the gym and then we went outside and it was like a whole other ball game 
but mm-hmm. also super fun. And he, that guy became really good friends with me and my husband. And he took us like on our first like quote little like mountaineering more where I use nice axe basically. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I love this too. And so <laughs> it just like kept progressing without really me wanting it necessarily to, mm-hmm. but just being, you know, surrounded by people that were doing it and getting invited to go and then just saying yes and doing it and yeah. realizing how much I do love it. And mm. so, yeah, it's just like taken off from there. And then that same guy, we like went up to Camp Mir one winter in like February a few years ago, like four years ago now. Um, and we were on snowshoes and he was on a slipboard. And everyone else, when we got to the top, was on skis or a slipboard. And mm. we were, like, slogging up that day. Like, we were, like, struggle busting. And, yeah, we should have turned around. We didn't. And he was like, deuces, I'm going to ski down now or snowboard down. And, like, everyone else up there was, like, snow on skis or somewhere. So they were yeah. like, bye. And they were like, shoot, we have to walk down. this is so much longer this is so much harder and that was that was the first time we were like we're doing this wrong we need to be we need to learn how to ski Mm. and I had grown up skiing like once a year like I said with my family but Mm -hmm. I kind of like thought I didn't like it because my parents were always way better and my brothers like seemed to get it right away and I was always felt like I was getting like left behind or whatever mm, and so growing yeah. up it wasn't like my favorite thing I was just like eh, not really for me everyone else is better at it than I am so I'm not doing this anymore uh and my husband had never skied but we were deter- after that that experience and one other experience on Helen's where people on slipboards were able to keep going and we weren't because we didn't have mm. enough time we turned around that time yeah um <laughs> But we were like, okay, this next winter we're learning. And so that winter we like went and rented skis at uh, Crystal Mountain or one of the local ski resorts here and yeah, went for the day and like, it kind of came back actually kind of natural to me, like Mm. what to do. And my husband was like having a hard time, but eventually (laughs) we like got it figured out and literally like later that week we went and bought like a whole setup for both of us I love that I (laughs) love the dedication (laughs) yeah my husband fell in love with it he's low-key obsessed with skiing like more like high key but uh, (laughs) I think I think I think obsessed um and so we started doing that and progressed in that really fast and I think in 2021 was the first year we like ski toured up a volcano and Mm. summited and skied down we did Helen's and then we did Adam's later that year and so yeah that's kind of how it's just like progressed progressed (laughs) yeah I love that that's just like it's so cool to see one again like you grew up kind of doing these things but like not like super frequently it sounded like you you did it once a year and it was kind of like cool. We did this. It was a nice weekend. It was a fun day, whatever it was. And then like move on. And it sounded like as a kid, you kind of struggled with the, like keeping up or like being left behind feeling. And Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people now, if they're trying to get into these sports, because like in reality, 
it takes a lot financially and time commitment to like get into these sports. And so a lot of people don't get into rock climbing, mountaineering, even just like skiing until they're in their like 20s, maybe 30s, maybe even 40s. And because like if they didn't grow up doing it. So what kind of advice would you give to those people that are like, kind of having that, I feel like I'm being left behind or like, I'm not progressing as fast as I want to. Like, what advice would you give to someone who's kind of like having that struggle when learning these new sports in their twenties and thirties? Yeah, that's, it's definitely hard to learn new things. And I mean, I have been like going a lot with newer people in the last couple of years, even though I'm kind of new too, but I, don't feel new anymore because we were like so committed to learning that Mm. we've literally spent every weekend up skiing for the last three winters now yeah and so people yeah always ask like how do you get good and it's like you just got to do it a lot and then also (laughs) doing things with people who are better than you at it and who are willing to like you know wait up for you or like teach you or you know Mm -hmm. not just leave you or whatever um, yeah. <laughs> whatever the situation, hiking or rock climbing or skiing. Um, but like willing to like spend time to teach you how to do mm-hmm. it and then just doing it a lot. And it does take a lot of commitment and like prioritizing that over other things. But if you really truly want to learn and like get good at it, and this probably goes with anything, literally you just have to do it a lot. Mm-hmm. And it does take a lot of work. I don't think people always want to put in as much work as it does take yeah and it's hard the financial part I mean that there's no good answer for that but I know there's a lot of different resources out there where there's companies that you can rent stuff for super cheap like I know in Seattle, like secondhand a, shops yeah like consignment then, shops super and nice. then buying yeah. things secondhand like my husband is like loves offer up and like all those second like (laughs) resale places because we've gotten so many good like deals like my powder skis that I have are $800 normally just for the skis he found them for $100 still plastic on offer up that's crazy yeah and so you can find good deals basically all the skis that I or anything with skiing that we've bought has either been on sale or secondhand I think I yeah. only bought like one pair of skis brand new that weren't on sale. Yeah. That's how I am. Now. I am too. Especially with like, like I get experticity, like the expert voice, like discount because of my company and mm-hmm. like to have those discounts is huge. And like, yeah. I am lucky that I've been able to, you know, get things at 30, 40, 50% off. Like yeah. I used to work at a resort. And so that I, we got like 50% off the skis in the demo shop and whatnot. And like, it was, it's been so nice, but there's so many secondhand shops, consignment shops offer up Facebook marketplace that just like makes gear so much more accessible for people. And yeah. like you said, and it sounds like what you and your husband did right off the bat, like you don't need to go out and get the $1,200 setup. Like you need no. like a hundred dollar pair of skis. You need, yeah. you know, I do recommend spending money on hiking boots, those yeah. and ski boots, boots those ski I- boots and hiking boots kind yeah. of. It's hard to get secondhand of those things, but like REI has their garage sales and I have Mm. found hiking boots there. Yeah. I found rock climbing boots or rock climbing boots. I found rock climbing (laughs) shoes um, 
and my trail runners at the REI garage sale and they were like worn twice and I was like done you know like they don't they hadn't molded to the person's feet yet and I was like yeah no problem and I think my trail runners were like $65 or something like that and the rock climbing shoes I want to say were like 30 like it was like crazy and um so yeah, there's so many good resources there yeah. with that. My first pair of hiking boots I got at the REI garage sale for $16 and I wore them for three years. I love that. That's awesome. So it's a, people think you need to have like all these fancy expensive things to get mm. started, but to get started, just go and get secondhand stuff, you know, for cheap. And then if yeah. you like it, you can start saving up and slowly purchasing the items you truly want. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. I yeah, love that. You don't have to just go hard and get all new yeah. stuff, you know, unless you want to, you can't, unless, but. unless you really want to, but you yeah. know, and also secondhand produces less waste, you know, it's yeah. already been done. Like it's already been produced. It's already been out in the world. Like why yeah. not just make use of that instead of letting it go to a landfill? Exactly. Um, yeah. Do you have, this is just, it literally popped into my head. Do you, <laughs> how long do you typically like mile wise or year wise, season wise. I don't really know how you measure it. How long before you replace like hiking boots or so, even yeah, ski boots? Had- like I know my ski boots I've had for like four years and I've been skiing since I was like two and like, I still, and like, but apparently according to research, you're only supposed to do 50 ski days in a boot. And I was like, that's insane for like people like us who ski 50 days yeah. plus a season. Like yeah. that, that 50 days may be great for the recreational skier who does seven days a year, but yeah. like, I can't afford a new boot every season. So like, have you, you know, like, what's your experience? How often do you switch out like footwear, I guess? Yeah. So it's different for hiking and skiing for hiking. Yeah. Like those first pair last me three years. The mm-hmm. next pair I bought only lasted me a year. They were a different yeah. shoe and I just don't, and I like hiked a lot more in mm-hmm. that year mm-hmm. too but then I finally found a shoe that I really like and that shoe um usually that boot lasts me like two-ish years now with mm-hmm. how much I hike till they just start falling apart but I know most yeah. shoes have like a mileage amount but I don't yeah. know what that is but for me I know how much I hike and so mm-hmm. a shoe lasting me two years is really good yeah two 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 or three years, basically, is kind of how yeah. long they last me. Um, were you going to say something? Yeah, I just, like, I I think I agree. I spent, um, like, my first ever hiking boot, I got it, like, Sports Authority, which I don't even know if that exists anymore. <laughs> um, I, I got it, like, Sports Authority in, like, late high school. And I had those boots until I was, like, 24 because I lived in Florida. And so I, like, never hiked. <laughs> and when we did, it was, like, five days kind of thing. And they were, like, yeah. you know, five-mile trails and whatnot. And then I bought... Like when I first moved out to Washington, I bought like a $200 pair of like really waterproof, like ankle, like hot, whatever. And I liked them for the first like year and a half. And then all of a sudden they started giving me so many blisters and I was oh, like, no. oh, I've only had them for a year and a half. Like I got to keep going. And I would like literally take them off every single trip. Didn't matter how long the hike was. Yeah. Like if it was over three miles, I would get blisters. Oh, and my, my God, friend was no. like, you know, 
you should just get new shoes. And I was like, I've only had them for two years. And she was like, they're giving you blisters though. So like, you know, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's fair. You know what? That's a fair statement. And then I got my trail runners and they're amazing. I've only had them for a season, but like they do not seem to be burning out anytime soon. So I that's love good. Them. Yeah. It's important to find a shoe that fits good for yeah. your feet. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is like, I don't, I don't think price does that because like my $200 pair and then I got these, my trail runners, like I said, at the REI garage sale for like 65, 70 bucks or something like that. And I think my trail runners are going to last me longer and way less blisters (laughs) um, than my $200 (laughs) pair of boots. Yeah. Boot Mm. shopping is hard. Uh, But then for ski boots, like I've worn... I haven't had to replace a boot yet because they've been blown out kind of, but I Mm. will have to soon, like my touring boots. So ski boots, there's the touring boots that I use to like go touring. And then I have Mm -hmm. my resort boots. Touring boots are not as like thick and strong of plastic and material as regular resort boots. Mm -hmm. And I wore those for my first year at resort and for touring. Mm. Because I didn't want to spend the money to get Mm -hmm. two pairs of boots. So I just bought the resort boots and I was like, well, I can wear these for both. I mean, I bought the touring boots and I can wear them for both. Yeah. And, but now I, this, this season now, the first couple of times I've worn my touring boots, I'm like, oh no, I don't have, I have them like tightened and buckled as tight as they can go. And I still don't feel that like control that I would like to have mm -hmm. when I'm skiing. And now I ski like a lot harder than I did when I first got those boots as well. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things combined, it's like my husband and I have been talking like, okay, you need to get a new pair of touring yeah. boots. And I'm like, no, I don't want to because I don't want to spend the money. But like every time I go to and breaking them now, yeah. it's like, I'm like, I literally can't ski how I want to because they are too loose, essentially. Yeah. Right. And yeah. yeah, but my resort boots, I think resort boots should last you longer than 50. I know. But That's also like the That's typical person. <laughs> yeah. The the typical person. This is like based on, um, I got this information because one of my good friends um, applied at K2 as basically like a, a boot designing engineer, which was oh, wow. so cool to have her go through that interview process. I learned so much about ski boots <laughs> because she had to like, she had to design a buckle for a boot. And it was so funny. I don't know, like when you're just not in a field, you know, you just like learn so much or like, you're just like amazed at like the, the, (laughs) you know, things that other fields do. So she literally spent like hours designing this boot buckle, like just solely the buckle. And, um, she had to give her reasoning for like why she did all these things. And she specifically designed this buckle for female boots to assist in increasing flex. And so for those who don't know skiing very well, flex is how much force you can push on the front of the boot and the boot resisting it. So basically the harder, the higher the flex, the harder you can push without the boot collapsing essentially. Um, And so she like made that because like female boots just don't have that great, don't have like super high flex because they're, 
the average female skier is not pushing super hard on the front of their boot. And so for high performers in female boots, and we have to get female boots because we tend to have smaller feet anyway. And so it's harder to get into male boots. Um, And so we struggle to have those high flex and have that high performing boot, even though we physically are a high performer in skiing. Anyway, so she designed this buckle and she did all this research about like these boots and the 50 days came from K2 saying that like the average skier should only spend about 50 days in the boot before it starts compromising the performance. So it's not necessarily that the boot is just like you need to trash it. It just yeah. starts compromising the performance, which does kind of make sense. Yeah. Um, But also I think it almost works at a disadvantage to those of us that are even harder as skiers because we ski harder than a regular recreational skier. And so therefore mm-hmm. we're pushing a lot more on the boot. And like, I know I look at my boots and I'm like, wow, these things are beat up. And like, you know, especially in resorts where we're carving a lot more, you get low enough, your opposite ski hits your boot when, you know, you're, you're getting that, that inside edge in. And mm-hmm. Anyway, so, but yeah, so that's where that 50 days came from is from K2 and the research that they do with their boots and like what's recommended, I guess. But, you know, I'm, I think like there's all kinds of things like mattresses are only supposed to last eight years, but like they can last longer if they're comfy, you know, like (laughs) there's all kinds of things that say. It's wants to buy more. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think like running shoes are supposed to be like 200 miles or something like that. And like. Like there's all kinds of things. Water only lasts in plastic water bottles for like two years or something. I don't know. There's yeah. expiration dates on everything. Anyway. That's true. But yeah, but, no, I definitely think that they do start to compromise. I think that's like mm-hmm. a good word for it because after 50, you know, ish skis in the boots, because I even my resort boots, they still work for me. But I definitely, it's like, oh, every year, a little bit tighter. I have to go like a little bit tighter Mm -hmm. to make all these micro adjustments to make it a little bit tighter. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I need to get new insoles for my my, my downhill. Yeah. It's a great Mm -hmm. way to um, make it stiffer again. I just did that in both of my (laughs) boots. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, I need to do that. Added new insoles, (laughs) which helps a lot. And yeah, so, my two, my first touring boots were like not a high flex because that, well, one, I really liked the color of these and the higher flex ones were like kind of ugly. And two, I was beginner, but now I should have mm-hmm. gotten those other ones for sure. <laughs> well, now we know, you know what, sometimes my favorite, I, one of my girlfriends is like pretty new and she's like, I want green skis. And I was like, no, no, we're not, we're not doing that. I'm going to, I'm going to teach you what you want to know. And you're it, <laughs> The top sheet and the color of it is the last thing that you look at. And yeah. Yeah. Um, too funny. But so yeah, funny. that's just that, you know, that's a learning process, right? You know, you go in and I remember picking my first set of hiking boots based on the color because I was like, these are cute. And yeah. now I'm like, <laughs> I like look at my trail runners and I'm like, oh, they're kind of ugly, but they're nice to be yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they're really hard because they don't have, I've never had a hiking boot that didn't have ankle support and now I don't know what kind of socks to wear with them because they're so low and I'm like dang oh well this is a problem for another day yeah but um so funny so funny anyway so what are some of I guess this is all you know we learn as we go you know the more we do the more we learn the more lessons we have so what are some 
big life lessons, outdoorsy lessons, experiences that kind of taught you the most and like either big mistakes you've had, big mistakes you've witnessed, stories you've witnessed, you know, like that kind of thing. Like what are some big life lessons in the outdoorsy world that you've learned? So for me, when I did uh, mirror that time with my friend who brought Mm. us up and we realized we were doing it wrong and should have been on skis and should have turned (laughs) around, that day actually turned into like a whole ordeal because it was, we were kind of in a cloud, like we were on Rainier going up to Camp Mirror and we were kind of in a cloud most of the day. And then the last like 900 feet up to Mirror we broke through the cloud and it was like sunny and beautiful and blue skies. Right. And we got up there and it was probably like three o'clock when we got up there and mm-hmm. then we hung out for in like minutes, February, whatever. Yeah. In okay. February. So yeah, the sun sets, you know, what? Five, five, thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And which wasn't enough time to get back down to paradise and we should have turned around but we didn't. And everyone else went down on their skis or snowboards. And then me and my husband and my one friend, other friend that I was with, we started walking down in our snowshoes. <laughs> and pretty soon we got back into that cloud and it was like thicker than it was earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a complete whiteout. It was snowing. We had, there were no tracks in the snow of like other from earlier in the day from all the people that had gone up. Oh and gosh. We also all realized that we all forgot headlamps this day, which is not normal. We, by this point, knew that you should have headlamps. But for some reason, for various reasons, we all either thought we, we had it or just totally forgot, whatever. Yeah. So we didn't have headlamps. We realized this. It's getting darker. My husband had downloaded the map on his phone, but his phone was like, because it was so cold, his phone was mm. like freaking out and like kind of like, like glitching a little bit Mm -hmm. and he was the only one that downloaded the map Mm. and so we were trying to figure out where we're going in this whiteout it's getting dark and it was super stressful it was like snowing and we were like luckily you know we're in snowshoes so it's not like we're moving fast so we're like looking and like assessing every single turn we made Mm -hmm. and eventually we somehow made it back to panorama point which is like only a mile and a half from the paradise parking lot and you can from there there's like trail really nice trail markers they have up all year and um we like made it there and so we were like okay we're safe now we can like figure out our way home way Mm -hmm. back from here and we did and we made it back and it was like the sun was setting like had already set when we were at pan point and we Mm. actually got this amazing sunset which was super awesome and um (laughs) you're like at least something came out of it (laughs) yeah I was like taking pictures my husband was getting all mad at me because he was like this has been stressful why are you taking photos and I'm like do you not see this sunset because there was like the clouds above us and then there was clouds below us and the sun was like in between breaking through in between there I had just gone past that little breakthrough so all the clouds were like purple and pink and like crazy colors anyways and so I was like this is amazing (laughs) even though we thought we were gonna die five minutes ago (laughs) now it's great and yeah we like made it back and like ever since then like I'm like we have to have the 10 essentials like me and my husband went and got a Garmin inReach, which is like a mm. little satellite SOS thing, like later that week. 
and I have that with me at all times now. Always make sure I have a headlamp, sometimes two headlamps. <laughs> You're like, and, let's just make sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> better station, sorry. And so that day, I also learned about turnaround times and like respecting mm-hmm. those. And there were just like, you know, a lot of things that was like, okay, like, uh, this is a mountain and like we're out here and like things can happen if you're not yeah. careful. It's not just, you know, any old walk in the park, even though mm-hmm. it is a park, but <laughs> even though <laughs> it, it is, is a national but park. But it's a yeah. mountain, <laughs> it's a volcano. So a volcano in a park. So you gotta be careful. And um yeah, so that was like a really big learning lesson for me. And then another thing that didn't happen to me but like really stuck with me is um it might have, I don't know what year it was. It might have been that same year or like the year before, but there was a fire in Oregon and mm. um, it was just like this short, easy day hike. And it was September. It was really hot out. And someone, some kid lit off fireworks like at the trailhead. Mm. I don't know, midday. Terrible. Yeah. Started a fire. All the people that had hiked in that afternoon, there was like a hundred and 50 of them I think or maybe even more couldn't go back the way they came and Mm -hmm. ended up having to hike 11 plus miles out another direction stay overnight and only one person had a water filter in all of those people and so and a lot of people didn't bring jackets because it was hot and they're just going for the day and it's like to this waterfall where you go like swimming and stuff and so like a lot of people weren't prepared and that one really stuck with me because it's like oh sometimes things happen that are not in your control Mm, and you got to be prepared for that too and so ever since then like I make sure I always have a water filter with me and a jacket and like ask myself like am I willing to stay the night in what I have with me if something that's such a good that's such a good question to ask like am I able to spend the night because I I think about that as far as would I be able to stay like at dark? Like I think about dark. I've never thought about as far as spending the night in things. Cause I do mm-hmm. always bring an extra layer, even in the summer, because I know yeah. like even just stopping at the top, sometimes it, you it's like <laughs> the wind gets picks up and you're sweating and all of a sudden you're cold. And yeah. like, but yeah, to like have that question in the back of your mind, like always just asking yourself, like, would I be able to spend the night? in what I have, you know, and it, I think for some people, they think it's like way over preparing, but then you hear stories like that. And it's like, those guys were going for like a handful of miles to a waterfall swim and then come back. And yeah, they ended up doing so much more. It had to be redirected. And I'm like, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it's terrifying because yeah. they also have no idea like what it looks like. And I don't know if there was cell service, like how, do you know how they like got so people? Someone had, I read, I actually just read the story to refresh on like exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. So one, someone like climbed up a little bit higher at some point and like got cell service enough to call. And mm-hmm. then like some Rangers or whoever it was, rescue people, um, like literally airdrop like down a like note to them with like a bunch of information and a few supplies oh my god and like told them which direction to start going and they like ended up like going out like that way and then like a ranger like met them halfway and like escorted them like the rest of the way that's crazy so yeah that's, was there a trail they, that they I, or were they bushwhacking really, 
I, it didn't really say. They were like, they had, it sounded like they were bushwhacking because they said there was like two different trails, but both of them they couldn't take back to where they had to go. Mm. And so they had to meet at this other point. Yeah. I don't know the area God. well enough to know if like what it's it was possible. like. Yeah. But wow. yeah, they were saying they had to like climb over logs and cross creeks and do all this stuff in the dark after hiking mm-hmm. and like probably chased, no one had a headlamp by a fire yeah <laughs> they probably had like cell phone lights and like that was it yes yeah and... a lot of people use cell phone lights they were say they did say that in the article I was reading too oh my gosh yeah so, so bring yeah. that extra charger even if you don't have a headlamp bring yeah. that chart that charging thing extra batteries like something anything. something is helpful something is better than nothing you know for yeah. sure so yeah. love it. So um, those two things really stick out. But yeah, so just being prepared, honestly. Yeah. Just do your research, be prepared. <laughs> and it's it's worth the extra weight on the hike. Yes. Um, than uh than to just be left without any of those things. That's for sure. Crazy. So I want to talk to you about your mountaineering experience. And for those, um, I guess like people who are not in this area, because I think mountaineering in the Pacific Northwest is pretty common, um, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote common, but, uh, like, can you explain a little bit of like what mountaineering is and like how that differs from, you know, like ski touring and rock climbing, but kind of combines like all the sports in one. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's kind of some different opinions on mountaineering, what it actually is. Cause like mm-hmm. some, like I said, like, I think the first thing I did that was like kind of mountaineering, which I don't even know if I'd qualify it as that now, but maybe it still is, was Mount Eleanor in the winter. Because mm-hmm. um, I had to use it. I like brought an ice axe with me. I had crampons with me. I actually just did that on like, Sunday. We just summited oh, really? that in Sunday. Yeah, oh it was gosh. it was good. There so was fun. I've never reached the summit. So I've done it once in the summer and then I just did it this last weekend. I've never been able to see the view from the top ever. Oh, it's, no. <laughs> it's so I beautiful. get like, like, <laughs> like, we'll get like, it was just right at the top of the, the shoot that we yeah. got to when we got socked in. And I was like, oh, cool. no. And my like partner, he was like, do you want to keep going to the summit? And I was like, well, we're like, right there so yeah I get yeah as well (laughs) that's cool I want to I want to ski over that area that'd be super fun yeah but um yeah snow wasn't great but it it was cool well that's good at least you got out there though it was a nice weekend Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah so like mountaineering to me at least I guess I should say is yeah like you're gonna need more gear than just your basic like hiking stuff I guess is like kind of the mm-hmm. difference and like usually you're summiting a mountain mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um <laughs> and yeah and then how it like rock climbing kind of ties into that is because sometimes when you're mountaineering well you can do alpine climbing which is when there's like actual like harder steeper I guess I should say sections of rock or mountain that you're climbing where you need to be like roped up and like put an anchor in and do all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. other times you have to be roped up because you're crossing crevasses. And so there's a lot of like knots and rope information that you need to know that kind of cross over into that. Mm -hmm. And then skiing, you can like ski mountaineer, but that's 
like you just incorporate skiing essentially into that yeah but also involves a lot more gear and knowledge because now you're like more likely to trigger an avalanche and you need mm-hmm. to know about all of that whole thing so <laughs> everything kind of like adds up but it all kind of goes together but also requires like more knowledge and gear mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah I feel like yeah. the more the more I get into these sports and the more time and effort and education that I get, the less I feel like I know, because it's like, (laughs) it's like the curse of like knowledge of like, now, you know what you don't know. And like, I remember taking my avalanche course, my area level one and being like, oh my God, I could die at any point, (laughs) anywhere by an avalanche. Like, and I was just like blissfully skiing prior to that. Like, I had no idea that I would be in avalanche terrain. And now I'm like, I like look at cornices and I'm like, they shouldn't be jumping off of that. Yeah. Yeah, The more, you know, the more like scared, at least for me, the more scared I get. I'm like, I don't know. I don't don't know. know. Hold on guys. Let's assume everything. Seriously, you just have though. to be so much more aware but it's like you know yeah it's good it's good to like continue that education so sure. how has your mountaineering experience been you've done three of the five volcanoes right I've done I've summited two summited two. three attempted three okay success of success yeah so um so for me like the first time I did Helen's was also that same year with that same friend that brought us up to Mir and mm-hmm. we stayed the night um like near the tree line and the next morning it was like dumping snow and we kept waiting and waiting for it to stop but it didn't so we just eventually started hiking but got a late start and mm-hmm. at the weather station we realized we weren't gonna have enough time so all of us on snowshoes turned around and our two friends on slipboards went up and they actually ended up summiting um mm. and we did it that day and then I think like a month later, me and my husband went back and just like wanted to try it again. And so we did it, but we didn't stay the night. And so we ended up doing it and we summited that time and just did it and came back in the same day. Mm. Um, and that was super awesome. And then Adams, same group of guys that first time at Helen's, we went in September later that year to do Adams and we stayed the night. Same thing happened. Woke up to like a bunch of snow and I was like, I'm not going to hike any further for no views. Like this is a literal whiteout. Like I'll just hang out at camp. And one of the guys was like, yeah, I'm with you. And then my husband and the other friend were like, we're going to go anyways. And we're like, bye. Have fun. (laughs) You're like, have fun. (laughs) I'm good. Yeah. We made hot cocoa and like hung out in the tent for four hours while they went up the rest of the way and came back down. (laughs) And they summited, but they did not see anything. So I and felt good like, about that yeah. decision. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. You know, I'm not trying to work think, hard for nothing. It's so smart to like know when you want to go and when you don't, because I think so many people, like, I know I struggle with this at the beginning, I, even still sometimes where I'm like, I got to keep up. I got to say yes. I like, I'm out here. I have to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's sometimes where you're just like, mm, or <laughs> you're not, yeah. you can just not do it. Yeah. So the mountain's yeah, always going to be there. Yeah, it will always be there. You can always come back. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so so. we did that. And then actually the following year is the first year um, that we attempted Adams Mm -hmm. again. And 
my husband was like actually trying to ski tour it. I went on foot with a bunch of friends and mm-hmm. it was so windy and cold that day. And I got to like the fall summit and it was, we like took a little break and I shouldn't have taken that break. Cause I got so cold. I was like shivering. And so mm-hmm. I ended up turning around there so I didn't make it again on that time but I was so miserable and so cold you're like yeah yeah I felt so good about that decision about turning around that I was not even mad like I was bummed to not stomach so I was like damn that's like two times now that I tried and haven't made it up here but I was like that's okay because it was it was miserable and then we had like the best glissading of my life the rest Mm -hmm. of the way down that mountain like we probably glissaded like 3,000 feet of that mountain like it was like prime glissading and it was so, so explain fun. glissading to people if they don't know what that is so glissading is sliding on your butt down <laughs> like these man-made shoots from other people sliding on their butts just down the mountain and you have to use your ice axe to kind of control your speed and um it's so fun it's just like I the funnest that. thing ever you feel like a little kid and it's so great I love so, yeah, watching people do it it's, ideally when they look like they're in control. Cause I've definitely yes. watched people that like yes. get out of control and I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God, this is so bad. This is so bad yeah. because not only like it could be really scary for you because you're going so yeah. fast and you can't stop. And if you don't have an ice axe and, or don't know how to arrest properly, mm-hmm. like it's so scary. And I saw someone on Rainier, like right before Panorama Point last winter, we were like uh, ski touring up and we were at the part where you boot, most people boot pack. Yeah. And so we were boot packing and then someone started glissading down and then like stuff started flying out of their backpack. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, he's going to have to hike back up here for this. And then like someone else like lost something and it flew down the little human tube yeah Yeah. and I was just like this is just chaos I was like I'm just I'm gonna keep going I like my skis I'm gonna stay that that shoot specifically sees a lot of people that Mm -hmm. aren't necessarily prepared for that and yeah yeah, I've seen a lot of ridiculous stuff except speed specific very quickly (laughs) it's just like Yeah. yeah it's so funny yeah but yeah and then um the next year was the first year we tried we ski toured and we did Helens and we summited and it was super awesome and like Mm. ski touring up a volcano is the most epic thing because like skiing down is so much fun and I won't lie it's hard work to me ski touring like is harder than hiking like like oh I I don't know why it's just so hard and you're carrying all this gear yeah. I'm like, I think I'm just still working on efficiency. We like, I think yeah. I'm more efficient at boot packing with skis on okay. my backpack than yep. I am actual, like, like skinning. And it's entertaining because we like, yeah. we had to hike this last weekend with Eleanor. We had to hike two miles or three miles. I don't know. First two ish miles. Yeah. Like didn't have snow. So we were hiking in our boots and our ski boots. And uh-huh. I was like, just chugging along and I was like yeah it's not great like footwear for hiking yeah. per se but then yeah. once we had to get skis on I was like oh man I'm gonna be so yeah. much slow <laughs> I'm literally the same when we did Helen's it was like it was me and my husband and this other guy and like we we're on skis most of the time until like the top section is like mm-hmm. it was like too icy and we we're everyone was boot packing and but 
they decided to stay on their skis because they're stubborn and they want to ski to her. But I was like, everyone else is putting their skis on their backs. I'm going to do that. And I did. And like the whole time I was like lagging behind. And then like, I put the skis on back and I was just like, I did it up the mountain and like ended up beating them to the summit. So I was like, this is what I'm really good at. Yeah. Walking uphill. Yeah. Learning efficiency on skis, like skinning is just so hard. And I still like struggle with kick turns, especially when it gets really steep. I think it's my friend and I talk about it. We're like, the worst thing that happens is you like slide down a little bit. Like, why is it so scary to just like put your ski in that position and then have to like fling the other one around? But it is, you know, it's just like mentally so hard to do it sometimes, especially when you're tired. And like there's potentially a big like you know elevation loss at risk yeah you know one of my friends <laughs> when she fell one of her worst ones she fell and she lost four kick turns like she dropped four oh, switchbacks no. and I was like that sucks yeah <laughs> when you're I'm working so hard already it's just like yeah. no oh, every man. kick turn counts <laughs> Yes, it does. So, so you now have this really exciting organization that you're working with that you're going to go do this really cool tour with and, or summit with. And so tell me about that. Yeah. So, um, this year, uh, my friend who I've like known since middle school, she told me about this super awesome nonprofit called Speed Jump. And, uh, they're all about getting more women and girls outdoors through like education and events and um they're super awesome and she actually did a climb with them with Rainier for last year and so she was like telling me about it and she was like this year they have a Mount Baker climb and Mm -hmm. ski descent like would you be interested blah blah and at first I was kind of like uh I don't know because one I don't really want to pay any money to have someone take me up a mountain I could probably do it myself mm-hmm. um, and two you have to do a fundraiser it's a fundraiser climb and um, yeah I was kind of like unsure but she was like let's do it and I was like all right so we decided to do it and I'm actually so excited about it um, so basically yeah it's a fundraiser climb and ski so I didn't have to pay as much money up front but instead, I raised the money that I would have had to pay for a guided climb and ski descent of a volcano. Mm-hmm. I raised that money, and it all goes back to she jumps. So it's really cool. Uh, we just That's actually so cool. got to the halfway mark last week. And so I'm halfway there. Very excited about that. Yay! Yeah. And uh, that's happening at the end of April. And yeah, it's going to be all women led and all women in the group climbing and like most of the group is actually going to be my friends because we started once we decided we were going we were like anyone else want to do this with us (laughs) and we got a few other friends to sign up so yeah so it's going to be really fun and I'm excited and if there was one volcano that I would want to pay to take a guided trip up it would be Mm -hmm. Baker because Baker is like like theoretically a very easy climb and ski when you're comparing it to other volcanoes around here because it's pretty Mm -hmm. gradual most of the way and not too long but it is covered in crevasses like Baker is known to have some of the most crevasses and so 
um, that part has always kind of scared me. So it feels kind of nice to be going with like a guided, like a guide, people yeah. who know more than me and can show me, you know, the route and which way to go and stuff. So I'm really excited about that. I'm still trying to raise more money for that. And yeah, that's happening in April. So I'm excited because I think, I think that might be the only other volcano I really want to ski in Washington. I'm not yeah. trying to really ski off Rainier at this point, at least. Who knows? After <laughs> at this point. Who knows? <laughs> Give it a couple years. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Who knows? But anyway. I love that. That's so yeah. cool. So how do people help you? How do people donate? How do people get involved? So you can donate by going to my Instagram and in my bio, I have a link to donate. And I've also like put a lot of, um, a, a lot, but a few in feed posts over the last mm. couple months um, that you can look for it where there's like a link also. And um, that's pretty much the best way to donate um, as of right that. now. And then, um, yes, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. I love that. So cool. So people, everyone that is listening that thinks Emily is cool, you should go donate, go help her because it goes directly to She Jumps. I think that's amazing. And it sounds like a pretty incredible organization to like really empower women to get out girls to get out into the outdoor world and teach them you know the safety side of things but also like just do these cool things I Mm -hmm. love that is there any last little bit of like nugget of of wisdom or advice that you would like to share and we will wrap this on up um yeah I was kind of thinking about this and I think like my number one advice would just be to like, if you want to go do something, do it and like find people that want to do it with you and find people, but also like, I think I said this earlier, but find people that are better than you. If you like want to actually like get further in whatever you're trying to do, but people that are better than you, but are willing to help and support and also respect you because that's like been the number one thing I think for helping me progress in any of the things that I've done. Yes. I love that. And respect, you know, such a big thing, you know, like that they're not just better than you and are going to like, you know, leave you, but they're, Mm -hmm. they're educating you, helping you along the way. Right. They're turning around and grabbing your hand to like pull you on up through education, through experience and all of that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Emily, tell people where they can find you and uh, thanks for having, or thanks for coming. (laughs) Where can they find you. you? You can find me on Instagram. My handle is sunlight of the spirit, sunlight dot the dot spirit. And um, yeah, give me a follow, help out, donate to She Jumps. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for coming. I appreciate you. And thank you, friends, for listening in on another awesome guest interview. And I will talk to you in the next episode.